Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for this Friday, June 23rd edition of the Broomfield Enterprise. My name is Elaine. Today, we will be reading from the following main articles. One hospitalized after a head-on collision in Broomfield. We'll talk about Broomfield events for this week. And Kelly Rowski writes about people and plants, and this week, amazing plants. Carrie Pettis, the bookwoman, ordinary people doing the best they can. And Kenny Wang announces his candidacy for the Broomfield City Council seat. And Broomfield City Council indefinitely postpones a pair of gun legislation laws. These and other articles. One person hospitalized after a head-on crash in Broomfield. One person has been hospitalized with serious injuries after an SUV collided head-on with a large truck. This morning in Broomfield, Broomfield police tweeted that they closed both directions of Colorado 128 from Sims to Interlock and Loop from approximately 10 a.m. to noon due to the crash. Police say the investigation is ongoing. Broomfield events for this week. Monday, Broomfield Genealogy Society will have their monthly meeting. You can join them for a presentation by Glenn York on using tree information provided by DNA testing companies. In this first of a series of DNA presentations by Glenn York, the group will look at three different approaches DNA testing companies use to find family members and relations. This will be at 6 p.m. on Monday at the Broomfield Old Bank Building, 7905 West 120th Avenue in Broomfield. And this event is free. On Wednesday, SCORE Summer Camp. SCORE Sports Camp is for children and preteens ages 6 through 12. This high-energy camp will offer various sports activities, including basketball, soccer, and volleyball. The camp aims to provide children with an enjoyable environment to learn new skills, establish friendships, and learn more about Jesus. This will be at 545 Wednesday at Calvary Church, 12700 Sheridan Boulevard in Broomfield, and it's a $5 fee. On Thursday, Fish's 60th anniversary celebration. All are welcome for a free Fun-filled evening celebrating Fish's six decades of service with the Broomfield community. Enjoy a classic car show, light refreshments, and a program about Fish's history. This will be at 4 p.m. on Thursday in Broomfield at Fish at Six Garden Center. And this event is free. Omni Unplugged this week, Kenny Lee Young. Kenny Lee plays soulful, rhythmic acoustic tunes that have led him to support national acts like Common, Brad Corrigan, Katie Z, and more. 
This will be at 5 p.m. Thursday at the Tap Room Restaurant and Bar at 500 Interlochen Boulevard in Broomfield, and the event is free. On Friday, Boulder Comedy Festival at Wonderland Brewing. Boulder Comedy Festival brings focus and highlights women and diversity in comedy. Head to the website to view festival shows, performers, and to purchase tickets. This will be at 9 p.m. Friday at the Wonderland Brewing Company, 5450 West 120th Avenue in Broomfield. Cost is $20. And for tickets and more information, you can visit bouldercomedyfestival.com. On Saturday, Westminster Trail Race. Start trail racing season off right with the annual Westminster Trail Race around beautiful Stanley Lake. The ninth annual event is a great course for competitive, intermediate, and novice runners. The trails are a mix of packed dirt trails, single track, and some minimal bike path. There will be a 5K, 10K, and half marathon race option starting at 7 a.m. Saturday at the Westminster Trail, 120 100th Avenue in Broomfield. For more information, you can go to trailrunner.com. This week, Kelly Rowski writes about people and plants and amazing plants. Over the years, I've highlighted many surprising and amazing characteristics of plants. In a recent article published by Washington State University, scientists have discovered that plants actually know when they're being touched. Let's review some of the more interesting aspects of plant life. Plants respond to information from their environment. Some scientists believe plants have a type of intelligence because they can sense, learn, and remember. Some plants, such as immature sunflowers and snow buttercup, can track the sun. Other plants, such as the sweet pea, can feel a solid object and then exhibit a coiling response. This is known as figmotropism. If you touch one of the tendrils long enough, it will actually start to coil around your finger. I've done this myself. Have you ever planted your tomatoes sideways in a trench to help the plant develop adventurous roots? The plant knows which way is up and which way is down. This is called gravitropism. Plants also defend themselves by producing chemicals to ward off predators and attract beneficial insects. They will also communicate with each other, kind of like a neighborhood watch program, which brings us to tree communication. Trees regularly talk with each other, sending signals through the air and via underground fungal networks. They cooperate and maintain relationships. Trees will even transfer their nutrients to neighboring plants before they die. We now also know that plants make sounds. For more information about that, you can check my column from February. Circling back to Washington State University's discovery that plants know when they're being touched, this is not 
inherently new because, like in our example of the sweet pea tendrils, plants sense their environment. However, through experiments, plants can discriminate when something is touching them. They sense the pressure and when it is released, they sense the drop in pressure. Measuring calcium signaling waves, the scientists noticed that while humans and animals sense touch through sensory cells, plants are likely using an increase or decrease of the internal pressure of their cells. To me, plants are otherworldly beings. I think we often tend to overlook their uniqueness and much needed place in the world. After all, we humans would not be here if it weren't for the plants. Kelly Rowski has an MS in horticulture and is the director of Bringing People and Plants Together, an organization dedicated to bringing horticulture education and therapy to the community. For more information, you can write to peopleandplantstogether at gmail.com or feel free to follow her on Facebook. This week, Carrie Pettis, the bookwoman, reviews a book, Ordinary People Doing the Best They Can. This book is by Sandra Dallas, and the title is Where Coyotes Howl. It's 1916. Ellen Webster is a schoolmarm from Iowa. She applies for a teaching job in a one-room school in a tiny Wyoming town and quickly falls for a handsome cowboy, Charlie Bacon, who works at a nearby ranch. They marry as soon as she finishes the teaching year. Despite its lonely and remote location, Ellen is happy in the tiny house Charlie builds for them. Gradually, she learns how to cook on the wood stove, haul water from the spring, and milk their cow and make do. Their neighbors are far flung and each family has its unique quirks. Ellen learns to accept them as they are and even finds strong friendships with a few of the women. It's not easy being female. Women are subservient to male whims and wishes. Men are legally in charge no matter how reprehensive their behavior. While Charlie is not that way, Ellen still must make allowances for his feelings. Tragedies come to their family over the years, bad weather, failed crops, illness, and death visit their homestead. Except for the way they loved each other, they were just ordinary, everyday folks. This is an honest portrait of life on the western frontier. I'm not a big Sandra Dallas fan, but I like this the best of all her many novels about the West. Apparently she agrees calling it one of my favorites in the afterword of the book. Entertainment this week for Broomfield. Ruin will be debuting at the Dairy. It transports audiences to the authentic Wild West. Sometimes you come across people in life who make you wonder, how is this person so good at so many different things? Aaron Class falls under this category. 
if he wasn't already multi-talented, up-and-coming theatrical wizard, Klaas would make an engaging history professor. The playwright, who was the co-founder of Boulder-based production company Blunt Force Drama, moonlights as a museum curator of men's clothes from the 19th century. And when he's not writing plays, studying theater, or hunting down one-of-a-kind vintage pieces, he is delving deep into American history, his favorite era being the years between 1835 and 1870 in Colorado. Ruin, Klaus's debut play, opening at the Dairy Arts Center in Boulder on Thursday, was inspired by historical events during this period based on more than a decade's worth of research on Klaus's behalf. Ruin is a tour de force that transports audiences to a bygone era, shedding light on a pivotal moment in Colorado history with impeccable attention to detail. Set against the backdrop of Colorado territory in the spring of 1865, the play is centered around three characters, Hersa Paxton, played by Anna Rhea Varnier, Eric Anderson, played by Dan Gustafson, and Jim Barney, played by Ding Lu. Together, the trio work together to investigate the disappearance of Paxton's missing husband. Though the events in the play itself are entirely fictional, the production is an amalgamation of two very real historical events, one involving the U.S. Army officer and City of Denver founder Edward W. Wincoop, as well as one surrounding the death of American abolitionist and military officer Silas Soule. In his writing, Klaas skillfully crafts multi-dimensional characters based on original source material and real-life historical figures who grapple with the challenges one would face during the 19th century, challenges that are still relevant in the 21st century. One thing I tried to do with Hersa was to address the way that the patriarchy makes decisions on behalf of women and grapple with the way that the patriarchy co-ops women's autonomy, Klaus said, describing the protagonist's character. It was important to show that the struggle of women then and the struggle of women now is still prevalent, he said. It's even easier to imagine the hardships of women throughout the centuries when watching the leading actress perform on stage wearing a stiff, complicated, and restrictive costume. The set, the props, and the costumes tell a huge part of the story and inform the way that we move and the way we hold our bodies, said Vernier, who plays Hersa Paxton. It's very different to be wearing your sweatpants and be doing your lines, but to be wearing a corset and three petticoats up on stage, that's a different experience for everyone. Despite the uncomfortable get-up for Vernier, the aesthetic elements of the play are what made the experience all come together. 
When I think about this play from the very first read until now, a lot of the story began to take shape for me when we put our costumes on and began working with props from that period, she said. A whole lot of things really fell into place because of differences in dress, technology, and tools that are available. Class is a curator of the Merchant Taylor Museum, a small digital museum that contains comprehensive collection of men's fashion garments and accessories collected from the years 1845 and 1865. Class's accessibility to and knowledge of these rare artifacts helped create a costume and set design that makes this production truly singular. We've created all of the costuming based on original artifacts that we have in our collection and a large percentage of props that will be in the play are original to the century. Every single artifact that will be on stage has been meticulously researched to create the most authentic experience possible, he said. For class, Ruin is a play that has been years in the making. Originally slated to be a movie, the production began to change form and shape over time during and in the aftermath of the pandemic. I wrote this play in a way that just about every writing instructor out there will tell you not to write. I started on page one and I wrote through to the end of the play, Klaus said. I did it in a very manic sort of headspace over the course of four days, basically only stopping to eat and sleep. After several edits and rewrites, the result is the version of Ruin that audiences will get to experience at the Dairy Center. Class, however, will settle for nothing less than perfection when it comes to the story. I'm hoping to take this as an opportunity to iron out the details, see what connects with people, and see what doesn't connect with people, and just strengthen the text as much as possible. Audiences will have the opportunity to attend a brief talk back after showings with class and the cast and crew to discuss and dissect the play. And while class hopes to take away some feedback from audiences on his production, he hopes that audiences will leave with a little something also. I hope that this play operates on several levels. I hope that it's a fun viewing experience and that and that it feels like watching a Western. I also hope that it leaves people with a feeling that the cultural reckoning that is required to comprehend and atone for Colorado's early settlement period is a process that is only just beginning. Tickets for Ruin are on sale at dairyarts.org. With only four shows in total, chances to see the production are limited, so be sure to secure your seats for an unforgettable evening of historical enlightenment and theatrical brilliance. This is one play that history buffs, theater aficionados, and anyone with an appreciation for compelling stories cannot afford to miss. The Boulder International Film Festival of 2024 returns in a big way for its 20th anniversary. Call for entries is open now. Lights, camera, action. 
one of the area's most anticipated film events of the year, the Boulder International Film Festival, or as we call it, BIF. This week announced a 2024 return to celebrate its milestone 20th birthday in a big way. The festival is back in Boulder from February 29th through March 3rd, 2024. We have big plans for BIF 2024 and look forward to celebrating our 20th anniversary with the community and with filmmakers and film fans from around the world. This according to Robin Beek, executive director of the festival. To help ring in the celebration, festival organizers are calling for film submissions from talented artists to showcase their work for the upcoming edition of the festival. BIF's call for film entries is now open for short films, feature films, documentaries, animation, adventure films, and student film submissions. Any submission chosen will be featured during the festival next spring and will be eligible for BIF's prestigious awards. In addition to the open call for submissions, Festival organizers are looking forward to celebrating BIF's illustrious past with a packed schedule of activities. For this big anniversary, we'll be highlighting all of the programs that we've made in the past, over the uh, past two decades, including award-winning films and filmmakers from around the world. Our delicious Chef competition with Colorado's favorite chefs the Singer-Songwriter Showcase, and of course, our legendary parties. Over the past two decades, BIF has earned itself a reputation as a respected film festival in the United States, effectively turning downtown Boulder into a star-studded mini-Hollywood. In the past, the festival has drawn renowned artists, Jesse Eisenberg, William H. Macy, Oliver Stone, Peter Fonda, Alec Baldwin, and Javier Bardem, among many others. The event draws film enthusiasts, emerging talent, and industry professionals from around the world. It's going to be a memorable year for our festival, according to Kathy Beek, co-founder and festival director. We're looking forward to celebrating the films, the filmmakers and community partnerships that have helped us make such a positive impact in Boulder over the last 20 years. For more information on next year's festival and entry deadlines, you can visit biff1.com. The Boulder Dinner, Dinner Theater adds its final encore with Going Out with a Bang presenting Fiddler on the Roof. Last summer, Boulder area theater lovers, dinner lovers, and lovers consuming both dinner and theater simultaneously received some horrible news. The Boulder Dinner Theater stage was closing its doors for good. Many fans believe that the theater's current playbill, The Sound of Music, which is slated to close August 19th, would be the theater's final dying breath. However, 
Originally, when we chose the Sound of Music for our last production, it was because our most requested show over the it was our most requested show of the past few years. Recently, however, the real estate company reached out to the Boulder Dinner Theater team and asked if they would be up for doing an encore season of shows. So now we're running Fiddler on the Roof which is the show that we've done more than any other show in our 46-year-old history to close out. For tickets to The Sound of Music, which will run through August 19th, and for the fall production of Fiddler on the Roof, you can visit bdtstage.com. Thank you for joining us for Broomfield Enterprise. My name is Elaine. AINC programming is made possible by funds from the Boulder County and Denver Regional Council of Governments Area Agencies on Aging.